Thanks for joining us online family. Welcome to the Destiny Table New York. And uh, speak blessing over those of you not feeling well that are joining in that I'm aware of uh, today, even locally. So glad we're able to make a connection online like this. Believe in the Lord to really open his word to all of our hearts. bad shot. I tried. Good morning. Good to see you, Kathy. Carrie. I just agree. Uh, good reports continue over you. Todd and Carrie Price, really faithful, faithful couple before the Lord and uh, been through quite a journey these past few minutes, uh, past few months. I just uh, feel the Lord pointing that out, highlighting that. And so uh, why don't you two just lift your hands. I just believe as it was in the days of Moses, he lifted his hands and victory came upon the people around him. So we just declare the victory that you possess not only will transform within you, uh, that continued healing work of God, but there's a release happening, waves of healing being released right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to walk in a keen sensitivity to what you're desiring to do any given moment in time. Awaken things within us, Lord, that actually do carry the power to transform the world around us. And we give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You know, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the inside. He looks at the heart. Um, you can turn in your Bibles to Philippians 2 today. We'll <clears throat> be driving toward that. I, I just have been thinking about this a lot with Tracy, and I've said it to her a couple of times, just trying to get my head around this. Like, we're going to live forever. <laughs> and like the body I look at when I see you is actually not the real you that's just the, the earth suit man looks on the outward appearance but God sees who you really are on the inside and God's constantly trying to work we're, we're, we are, you are a spirit and you live in a body like just try to think about that for a moment and this body has these desires that's constantly warring against who you really are, your spirit. And that's where the soul comes in, where we're renewing our minds to the presence of the Lord, where we're getting into, the, into His Word and experiencing His presence in a way that it actually brings transformation to the real person that exists within. And out of that, um, we begin to emerge and become who God's called us to become. So I've just... Uh, I've looked at Tracy a couple of times. I mean, obviously, you know, the most intimate person on the planet for me. 
And I've just looked at her and I've just, and I've just said to her, I mean, it's kind of a strange thing, but it's like, like I'm getting to know the you that's actually in there. <laughs> like there's a person that exists within a body. And I think the Lord's going to make us more and more keenly aware of what that really looks like. I want to learn to see you the way God sees you. I don't want to see you the way my carnal nature understands and sees from a worldly perspective. I want to see you the way God sees you. I want to interact with you the way he desires for me to interact with a deeper sense of the eternal purpose of God, driving perspectives, conclusions, realities. So today I want us just to take a look at some... <clears throat> Uh, I'm so full of revelation. It's the craziest thing. I, I was sharing with Tracy when I woke up. Um, like I just woke up this morning early and, and the Lord gave me a whole layout of what I'm supposed to say on Easter Sunday morning. And I literally just laid there for a moment and thought, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm just wanting to talk about today. I don't really want to talk about Easter. Uh, but the Lord just brought it back again. And so I just got up and went into the other room and just sat down and, and I changed my whole rhythm this morning just because I felt such a sense of conversation. And I mean full constructed layout of where the Lord wants to take us on that morning, where we're going in weeks after that. I just think the Lord is really being more intentional right now about mobilizing us to become who he's truly called us to become. And so I, I'm agreeing and just declaring, you know, if you were here last week, that was my challenge is that you take that Philippians 2.13 verse and you begin to pray that, that God is working in me. God is working in you, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So there's this inward work that he's uh, doing. And, and <clears throat> I haven't listened to it yet, but this morning Tracy mentioned she's got a sermon going online and she said, it's another one of those sermons that's communicating, we're all hearing the same thing from God right now. I don't know if you've paid attention, but Lou Engel is right now uh, bringing a lot of focus to the table and a uh, real big emphasis of communion on Good Friday. And so we actually, I mentioned it last week, we felt that was what the Lord was asking, that Good Friday, that Friday before Easter, we purpose a meal together, um, that you do that in your homes. And we want to try and help you understand that, getting from here to there. Uh, but, you know, taking those names and praying over those people and putting their names on the cross, those might be the people that you would invite into your home. You understand the Last Supper was actually a meal of Jesus, not just a little cup and, you know, cracker and juice, which is what we do to kind of um, express that. And, and it's, it's good to do that. But it was actually a true meal around a table. And, and so Lou Engel is starting to talk about what this is and, and mobilize people on that Good Friday to focus in as we're remembering that's when Jesus literally had the broken body and shed blood in that moment and gathering at the table in that perspective of a meal with God and a meal with each other. And, um, if you know the upper room ministry and, and what, who they are, a lot of worship comes out of them. And they announced uh, coming into January, this is what they said, the main guy that was speaking. He said, every Sunday of this entire year, we're going to preach about the table. Exact words. <laughs> 
And I'm, I mean, you understand, this has been something we've been looking at. This is something we felt like the Lord said, come back to this year. Uh, we've got some ideas about how to mobilize you to more effectively explore what it is to lead the table of the Lord as your way of life. And we're, we're kind of wrestling through that, praying into that. But I want you to understand, it is friendship with God and friendship with others that's going to change the world. Christian hospitality expressed by believers in your everyday life is what will transform community before sermons being preached from a platform like this. If I'm saying anything that's not mobilizing you to become who God's called you to become, then I'm just wasting all of our time. And the Lord's wanting us to engage that action to the Word, the, the faith and the works, and putting that into, into place. And, and this is the beautiful thing. And I, I guess I just, I'm kind of freestyling here. I just, feel, I, I just feel the need for some sense of explanation in all of this. So, you know, you put together a puzzle, and the way you do this whenever you're putting together a big jigsaw puzzle is you typically find the edges. And you put the edges, and if you find some other spaces, you know, you kind of put that together. But really the focus is to get the parameter laid out and then fill in the picture, and, and that's the easiest way to do it. And so when we started introducing the Destiny Table and what that really looks like, Destiny Table New York online with us uh, right now, and, and Destiny Table locally, some of that that's been taking place and been you know, trying to explain the difference between the table and what community groups are. And I mean, we took the edge of the jigsaw puzzle and we, we tried to put it all into place. And it's like the Lord has just said, that's not the way I build this thing. He's the one building the church. And what he doesn't want us to do is to put the edges around and then him him in. What he does want us to do is begin at the heart, at the center, and then it just begins to grow outward. And let me tell you, whatever this looks like in your life, it is not supposed to look like that in somebody else's life. Rather than duplicating somebody else's success, we need to discover who we are and multiply our own identity. The church has duplicated success long enough, and we need to learn to multiply identity. You're Peter. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Your identity is the revelation that God wants to get to to release his kingdom through when you understand who you truly are, not who somebody else is. Stop trying to be somebody else. Just be the best version of you that you can possibly be and be relinquished. We have fueled the fire of inadequacy in the church for long enough by trying to get people to be something they're not. I want to say to you today, you be you every day of the week. Be you. I just, I was reflecting on this with our family because, I mean, we got four carbon based life forms living in a house that are so totally different. I'm the ticker of the bunch. And, you know, I'm like, in the morning, good morning. And everybody's like, calm down. Uh, and, and then probably next on that, you know, that scale would be faith. And she's verbal and, you know, energized. And then next on that scale is Tracy, and she's verbal but intentional. And then next on that scale is Lexi, who right now hates that I've even said her name, and she's back there. I wish she were up here so I could point her out and you could all look at her. But I mean, that's just our four levels. And, and I started thinking about this. Like, Lexi would be what we would term the most introverted family member in our household, and she's kind of put off by flaky, surface, talk-to-everybody relationships. Because that's what introverts are about deeper more meaningful valuable connections and and it's it's a beautiful reality and neither are wrong <laughs> but if you're not careful the extroverts in your life can make you feel 
like you're not who you're supposed to be because you start to compare yourself to their exuberance and actually what you're viewing is shallow. I am the extrovert. I, I just want you to know. I, I, I mean, I'm not meaning that in a negative way to extroverts because extroverts do, I do legitimately want, and I've, I've said hi to so many people in the room. It's, that's why I went back there to the door. All I was going to do is, hey man, good to see you. Like, what does that mean? How's your life? How are your finances? How's your walk with the Lord? That's the deeper. I'm just like, hey, I mean, my value as an extrovert is I activate conversation in the room. Your value as an introvert is you make a connection and take the conversation to a deeper reality in the room. We all have a purpose. And rather than one of us despising another because we're not alike, we've got to learn to be who we are and walk that out in power and authority and confidence in the Lord our God. So I want to say again, you be you and stop trying to be somebody you're not. This is the essence of the church. The more we become who Jesus wants us to become, the harder we're going to be to explain. the easier we confine it all down into simplified explanations, the more the elaborately complicated nature of humanity is cut off. Do you understand what I'm saying? The church has taken the lion of the tribe of Judah and placed him in a cage in the middle of their gatherings long enough. Let him out. Let him roar. Be who God's called you to be. I mean, this can get messy. You can do some stuff that I'm just like, I'm not sure you're supposed to be doing that. <clears throat> but I just say it's time for the church to really step into who God's called us to be. And we do that relationally in unity, and it becomes a beautiful, beautiful expression. Individualism will war against what I'm talking about. You have to be very careful because I'm not talking about individualism in the sense of isolation. I'm talking about celebrating individuals without being given to individualism. Celebrating individuals leaves us a community of unified disposition and perspective. I don't know if you realize, but we really need each other a lot. More than we realize. So, Lord, I just really sense you're here desiring to have a deep, meaningful interaction and conversation with us. Awakening our God-given identity. And in the midst of it, Christ is being formed within us. So help us to grow in that, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Galatians 4.19 says this really interesting statement. Um, and it's Paul. He says, my little children for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth. It's this parallel he's using He's saying, um, I'm laboring in prayer. That's what he's saying in this. I'm laboring in prayer. And, and notice this. Would you say these last few words of the, of the verse with me? I'm laboring in prayer until Christ is formed in you. Let's all say that together. I'm laboring in prayer until Christ is formed in you. This is hugely important for us to understand because what we don't want you to do is learn how to behave and act 
like a good Christian so that you represent God well. I'm just telling you, God himself is warring against the cultural disposition of religious Christianity that exists in the society that you and I live in. God himself is warring against this cultural disposition of religious Christianity where we're trying to modify behavior and get people to act nice so God's represented well. That is not Christianity. Christianity has nothing to do with acting. As soon as you start acting like something you're not, you've messed it up. You've got to be honest about who you are. You've got to be honest about, I I don't feel like being kind right now. Don't grit your teeth and run through it. Be honest about it. Lord, I'd pause away from this situation and just say, God, would you help me? There's something that needs to happen in me. The the Bible describes the gospel as, as this element of dying to ourselves so Jesus can live through us. It's not about messages of positivity and messages of morality. Don't get me wrong, positivity and morality result, but they're not the pursuit. They're the result. He's the pursuit. When we die to ourselves and we pursue Christ, then things within us uh, begin to really begin to be transformed. What's happening is God is doing a work in you, forming Christ in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God is forming Christ in you. Under the sound of my voice right now, and you sense, yeah, that's right, what's happening, and there's this transaction taking place between you and God. God is forming Christ in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You start to abandon your carnal tendencies and your carnal ways, not because you, you know you have to, because you, you, know, you want to act like a Christian, but it actually it begins to shape your desires, and it's what you want to do. This is the freedom of Christianity. Real Christianity is actually forming the desires that exist within you. He's forming Christ within you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And this is where we pick up at Philippians 2, and we're going to talk about the context of this verse, but let's first take a look at this verse together. I keep referencing it, but, but we'll read it. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I really would encourage you to take this verse and pray it over yourself. (laughs) Take this verse and pray it over your family. Take this verse and pray it over your friends. Take this verse and pray it over your neighbors, your co-workers. I just thank you, Lord, that you're at work. And and you're, you're, you're working in Robert. And you're giving him the desire and the power to do what pleases God. I thank you, Lord, you're at work in Megan. And you're giving her the desire and the power to do what pleases the Lord. You get it. (laughs) Like dropping a name in that declaration of Scripture and praying over individuals that exist in your life. And what happens is you and I grow in our relationship with the Lord and we learn to die to ourselves. Over the course of time, God is forming Christ in us. Like that's what's happening. He's forming Christ in you. I, I, I mean, what I feel and sense right now I cannot express with words. You're going to have to embrace impartation this morning because the information is not enough. 
Christ is being formed within you, like awakened within you. Even under the sound of my voice right now, there's a sense of the awakening of the Christ within your life. He's in you. He's alive. I talked to him this morning. He's alive. <laughs> and he's like, that's being formed within you. So, sincerely, just taking sticky pads and placing them on the cross, calling out names of people that you may very well be individuals you're going to be inviting to join us for an Easter Sunday morning. They may just be people that you're mobilized to speak into their life and minister to them, they, whatever it looks like. But, I mean, I just believe there's something to be released as we're willing to really pray. The goal is for the very life of Christ to be formed and awakened within us. Watchman Nee said this statement, God is not seeking a display of my Christ-likeness. He's seeking the manifestation of his Christ. He's nicer than we are. So you trying to be nice on his behalf is just not enough. You admitting you're not nice in a moment in time and asking God to deal with you what that does is it begins to awaken the forming of Christ within you he gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him yeah. not to grip my teeth and make it happen because that's what I have to do I'm a Christian but actually something in me starts to be changed you're to be transformed into the glorious image of God as you grow in your relationship with the Lord you become more like Christ why because Christ is being formed within you and your very desires are shifting and changing and the molecular design and makeup within you. It's changing. This is so important for us to understand because the, the mindset, the typical exchange, you know, the tit-for-tat type of exchange is you be nice to me and I'll be nice to you and we'll all be Christians together. Right? But if you're not nice to me, how many of you ever had somebody not be nice to you and you were not nice to them back? Can I just see you? Raise your hand. Uh, and, and if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, it just happens. You know, there's just a reactionary disposition. You actually can learn to live in a response rather than a reaction. A, reactionary, a reaction is a carnal expression of a reaction. Reaction comes from the idea of chemical. Like reaction, the basis of the word is born from chemical, chemistry. Reaction, there are two things happen and then reaction takes place. But response is actually born from poetry. It's a beautiful. When you break down those two words, you start to understand there's this poetic expression of just being in relationship with the Lord. The G-U-I, guidance. G-U-I, dance. As God, you, and I dance. God, you, I, G-U-I, dance. As I'm in this mode with the Lord. The Bible is actually more my, like music than it is like math. God sings over you. I don't believe God spoke the world into existence. I believe he sang the world into existence. That's why there's momentum and there's rhythm on every level of existence and matter. And that exists within you. When you learn to walk in the sense of the rhythm of God, you're actually able to function in the poetry of who he is no matter what may come your way. All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose you don't lose your rhythm it doesn't disrupt your rhythm because you're in sync with the Lord and you've learned this deeper sense of spiritual response rather than human reaction because Christ is being formed within you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him this is, 
This is amazing. This is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came. He lived. He, cru he was crucified. But he didn't stay that way. He's alive. And he's whispering in your ear right now as I'm speaking. You don't need a man to teach you because the anointing will teach you. God himself will have a conversation if we'll all just be where he wants us to be and listening to him. And so this reciprocal idea of love, you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. It's just not really love per God's equation. Because if you withhold affection from me, and I withhold affection from you in response, I call that justice. But God calls that unchristlike revenge. I'm going to say this again because it's really important for us to understand. And let me just say, this rescues friendships, this rescues marriages, this rescues relationships. If we can respond to the Lord rather than react to the person, if you withhold affection from me, in reaction, I withhold affection to you, and I call it justice. It's not justice, it's revenge, and it's unchristlike. But if I die to myself and don't feel like I need to be justified in my behavior to get something that was taken from me or is not being given to me, therefore I'm going to take... You understand? It's just that's not anything to do with the cross of Jesus Christ. So what I want to say today is we must not try to be good. We must learn to be dead. Stop trying to be good. Start learning to be dead. You cannot offend a dead person. I've done a number of funerals now, and no matter what anybody has to say in that moment of a funeral, the dead person never sits up and goes, what? It's never happened. Paul said, I die daily. That doesn't mean this is easy. It doesn't mean you won't have to work through emotions. Somebody's going to say something and do something, and it's going to upset you. And sometimes rightfully so in the sense of the equation. But we lay all that down at the foot of the cross, and we just say, Lord, I choose to be unoffendable. Man, you got to understand, you cannot be trusted with spiritual authority if you are easily offended and you are walking in less than God called you to walk in if you are easily offended. So stop being easily offended and admit it when you are easily offended and say, would you help me? I'm so easily offended right now. What a beautiful reality that could be that could help you get past being so shallow and immature. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for each other. And you'll be healed. Stop trying to be good. Start learning to be dead. Just pause and consider and then respond. It's easy, right? Let me tell you a little story. There's this neighbor. And they live behind us. And we built our home in a way that the pinnacle view, some of you have been to our home, looks out our living room, bay window. It's beautiful trees. It's all we can see. Until my neighbor decided to tear out all the greenery and shrubs between their house and our house that existed on my property. <laughs> and... It was very upsetting. 
And I stood in the backyard in King James Version and said, Thy neighbor, thou hast offended me greatly. <laughs> I mean, it's been crazy what I've had to navigate through in my own emotions. We wound up paying to have a sprinkler system run out. We paid to have shrubs put in. The shrubs wouldn't grow. Too much shade from the top. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but several thousand dollars later, and then we took another approach, and the neighbor now turned us into the Neighborhood Association, and they've sent me a letter and said, I can't build a fence that I was trying to build to inhibit the view that actually... <laughs> Is anybody here on my side? <laughs> I have the neighbor's cell phone. I'd like to give that to you. <laughs> Tracy, I'm not even going to go there, okay? We're, we're not even going to talk about the carnal conversations we've had to have in our household to get back to the things of the Spirit. But I do have the neighbor's cell phone. If you write it down, I'd like everybody to give them a call. <clears throat> you know, the Bible actually says every story seems right, every argument seems right when you've only heard one side. And I would suspect that there is another side. I've not been able to figure it out, just in all honesty, and even having conversations and interactions. But perhaps some people would hear that neighbor's side, and they would come to some different conclusion. It's an easement. og &E has the right to do stuff on the land, not the neighbor. The neighbor said it's an easement. I mean, all, all the, you know, I, I'm, there are two sides to every story. But here's the danger. I get offended, and I recruit my friends to substantiate my offense, only further taking me into a justified carnal disposition, holding me away from growing into a place of spiritual maturity and responding to the Lord my God. And I extended my hand to the neighbor and, and said, I just want to be a good neighbor to you. And I've had to think in my mind, whenever I've looked over there, I've had to think in my mind, when, when the kids, you know, soccer ball comes over, it'd just be fun to shoot it with a shotgun and boom. <laughs> and I would think, oh, wait, wait, no, that's not the Lord. <clears throat> I mean, I've had to think in my mind, why is it? Has anybody had these types of feelings before? I've had, to, I've had to think in my mind, why, why am I struggling so much when I go on a prayer walk and I walk by their house? Why am I struggling so much with feelings and thoughts? And, and Lord, what is it in me that is, you're actually revealing? You understand your frustration with others reveals you more than it reveals them. And I just had to ask the Lord, would you help me, Lord, to genuinely want the best for these people? Help me to love them well. I mean, I, I really have and, and the Lord's done this work in my heart I don't know it's only forming Christ in me that can do this because I don't have it in me only forming Christ in me to give me the desire and the power to do what pleases God this is Christianity stop acting like you're something you're not it's not about you it's about Jesus So many Christians, this is an important statement, you probably want to tweet this today if you have Twitter. So many Christians are more emotionally charged than they are spiritually mature. 
Maybe it's a situation, you know, that's happened in your life. Maybe it's your political views. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it may be. Somebody sat in my seat. I mean, anything you can get emotionally charged about that keeps you from being spiritually mature is a win for the enemy. Jesus didn't walk around angry about the Pharisees. Jesus didn't walk around angry about the Roman government. Jesus didn't walk around angry because Judas was about to betray him. Jesus washed his feet. You want to know what the true measure of Christianity is? It's not loving Jesus. It's do you love Judas? So many Christians are more emotionally charged than they are spiritually mature because we're simply not dead enough. Stop trying to be good. Start learning to be dead. Paul said, I die daily. So we need to understand something about this text of Scripture in Philippians chapter 2. Because what I felt the Lord was saying is he's desiring to help us explore what it means to preserve the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith. The Bible doesn't just reference faith. It references the unity of the faith. That's the willingness to overlook offense that we might stay unified as the body of Christ. The unity of the faith. And we don't read the scripture understanding what's actually being revealed when we read a word that translates you Suddenly, individualism is awakened within us, and it's to me. But I want to point this out. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. We're going to back up. The previous verse has this interesting statement. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You've heard that before, right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then he goes on, verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is what you have to understand. The Greek phrase in this text of Scripture, New Testament is written in the original Greek language, translated to English. The Greek phrase in this text of Scripture is constructed with second person plural verb. What that means is, when I stand up here and I say, Chris, I love you, that's one thing. But when I stand up here and I say, hey, I love you, I'm saying something else. The original Oklahoma Greek is y'all. That's how it's pronounced. This is not just you individually, this is you, all of you. That's what this is talking about. That, that is, that's the way the verb is constructed every time we see it in this text. So let's read it in Oklahoma Greek. Work out y'all's salvation with fear and trembling. For God is working in y'all, giving y'all the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And as soon as you get offended individually, y'all gets messed up. (laughs) And y'all have got to be unified, loving each other, being patient, being kind, being considerate, being selfless. Stop trying to be good. Start learning to be dead. You're not going to offend me. I refuse to be offended. I will not live in that lifestyle. I choose to be free. How about you? Is it possible for us to function in this kind of unity? Do you remember a few weeks ago I stood over here and I just talked about the the waves of worship being born from the congregation. I'll just tell you, I I watched it. There was a moment there 
that it almost started in our worship today. If Christy would have taken the mic away, you all would have gone without us. And I just want you to think about it. It is something the Lord's awakening in the church. We are going to experience this. Because there's been an over-reliance in the congregational family on the person with the mic. And we've told you how to sing and where to go and what to do. And the Lord is actually trying to awaken you to that revelation and reality. You don't need a man to teach you because the anointing will teach you. So will you pay attention to what the Spirit is doing? And what happens then, the Spirit starts moving, and we might not even, I might be standing here right now missing something God is doing. And then, I mean, this is, I, I was, oh, Lord, help me. I was so reluctant to go here, but. So there's a moment where we're just like in the presence of the Lord, and then somebody feels the Lord giving them a song, and they, they you know, in the presence of the Lord, and they break, na, 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 na. The Lord gave me a song. And everybody in the whole room is looking at them, and all attention has been brought to them, and then somebody has to go to them and say, hey, don't bring attention to yourself. We're trying to worship him. And then you get offended, and it messes y'all up. Here's, here's an even crazier thought. You heard right. I didn't discern well. And as your leader, I come to you and correct you. And before God, you were right and I was wrong. And for you to honor the Lord by the, the note I sent to our, uh, our architectural committee, our neighborhood association, we respectfully comply with what you have asked. What was I saying? <laughs> you know what I was really saying. <laughs> this is dumb. That's what I was saying. I had to let all that go. I respectfully, I don't agree with you. I respectfully comply. And I, I'm going to have to let the Lord help me work this out. Are you mature enough to do that? Because most Christians are more, uh, more emotionally charged than they are spiritually mature. And if anybody comes to bring any kind of correction, you're going to get angry and you're not going to listen. This is the immature, shallow Western world church. And... and, and Much of it has been born from the immature, shallow, Western world pulpit. You know that we can actually function in the spirit of unity in a supernatural way that will get the attention of the world around us? Some of you were here uh, when the gymnasium fell. It was crazy. It's like, Ice storm came, gymnasium fell. I, I, I'm not a professional pastor by any stretch. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I, I was, uh, they asked me if I would you know, preach. And so I said I would preach. And then now I've got to do more than preach. Like the building's gone. We've got to come up with a way to build a building. I don't know how to do that. And, and so I just was praying. And the Lord gave me this word. And I, I began to share this word. The one-third word. Do you remember it? It was over here. It was the one-third word. And the Lord just said to me, one-third of what we're going to need to rebuild was going to come from insurance. One-third of what we need to rebuild is going to come from those in the church family who give. And one-third of what we need is going to come from God. And, and I thought, well, 
all right, that's great. But then the problem was the insurance was the first number to come in, which then set the tone for what the conclusion was going to be and how much I was seeing, you know, is the church going to give that amount of money? And we went through this whole process, and, and I could tell you a lot, but, but ultimately the insurance number came back at $1.1 million. When I met with the construction guy, he said the first building to be built was going to be $3.3 million. Amazing confirmation. And then we went through a weekend asking the church, would you just pray about what God would ask you to give? And you're never going to guess the amount that the church actually gave in that particular weekend in giving and pledges, $1.1 million. For me, that was a real faith builder. Like it wasn't what somebody, somebody came to me and they said, wow, pastor, you really heard the Lord. And I was like, all of us had to hear the Lord for this to work. This is not I heard. This is us. This is y'all. We... And if you didn't listen, you messed y'all up. <laughs> I mean, you understand, like that's the spirit of unity God's calling us to. And so this issue of offense, like if I perceive you're offended, I have a responsibility to ask you about it, to talk to you about it, to awaken something within you of the unity of the spirit. Stop being so easily offended because you are going to mess y'all up. Help each other out. Some of you might be thinking of somebody easily offended. Some of you might be offended right now. That's offensive, Pastor. And hopefully you'll tell somebody who's spiritually mature more than they're emotionally, emotionally uh, charged, and they'll say to you, if you're offended, you need to address that because this is not good for you, <laughs> and it's not good for us. <clears throat> I'm really bad about talking about giving, so let me just say it this way instead of trying to fit it, because I don't know how to fit it. I just, would you all give? Would you just be faithful? <laughs> like, I know. Last, last week, I, at the service, I thought, yeah, I, I just am terrible at this whole thing, but uh, there's, yeah, there's the code, and be faithful with your tithe, because that's honoring to the Lord. The one-third word was awesome, and God will always awaken his kingdom in our hearts and lives, but I would encourage you, <laughs> learn what it means to Give your tithes as worship to the Lord because how many of you know, many of you don't know about the one-third word in the building that we built, but a lot of people really gave sacrificially so we could be where we are today. And I don't know if you realize it or not, there are people coming after us. And so let's make sure we pass that forward to the next generation church in every way, sacrificially loving, serving, giving, and all those matters. I mean, it's just the nature of Christ being awakened within all of us. The more we die to ourselves, the more Christ is formed in us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Just so you know, Jesus made it very clear in Luke 17, verse 1, it is impossible that you will not be offended. How many of you have ever been offended? All of you. It is impossible that you will not be offended. That's why the Bible doesn't say if you're offended, but when you're offended. When that situation happens in your life, it is impossible that you'll not be offended. So when you are offended, there's a proper way to handle that, protecting, preserving your heart, loving each other, being patient, being kind, asking for forgiveness, growing together in a spirit of unity. By the way, you know what's so amazing about this? Like, I don't know of anything that needed this word in our church. I don't know of anybody who's at odds, 
There's not the Hatfields and the McCoys in Destiny. Like, as far as I know, we're a real unified group, and I love that. And so I'm not grinding an axe with a topic today. I'm just saying, the Lord's saying He wants us to be more mature than maybe we've ever been before as we grow in being so unoffendable that we actually have allowed the love of Christ itself to be awakened within our hearts. We're literally hanging on a cross. He says, oh God, forgive them who just crucified me. I'm going to ask you this week, search for opportunities. Your action point is where we carry God's presence everywhere we go. And we bring God's presence to real life. All over, everywhere we go, we carry his presence. And so your action point to do that is search for opportunities this week to let things go without making them known. You know what's silly? Like sometimes the kids... It's actually Tracy, but the kids leave dishes in the sink. And, and sometimes I'll, it's responsible to say, let's take responsibility. Other times, I'll literally express as an attitude of worship to the Lord my heart to serve my family. And I just put them away and don't ever say anything. And then I use them as sermon illustrations and lose all the benefit of, of the reward in heaven. <laughs> But you, you get the picture. And so, just search for opportunities this week. Let things go without making them known. And do that as an expression of worship to the Lord. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, it's just a great opportunity for you to put this into practice. And you'll see just how dead you're not by how you react in that moment in time. Groans across the congregation. <laughs> So Lord, we just acknowledge we really don't know how to go about this because there's not a one-size-fit-all situation for everybody in a different place. But you're inviting us into an intimate space of communication with God. Where you help us to grow as you form Christ within us putting in us the desire and giving us the power to do what pleases our Father. Come on, would you stand? Our prayer team's going to make their way up <clears throat> by those crosses. We're going to take just a few moments and bring our heart before the Lord. Some of you may want to just repent for allowing yourself to be so easily offended. The altars are open if you'd like to repent there. <laughs> They're prayer warriors. If you'd like to come and have somebody pray in agreement with you and just standing by the cross, it's just a great depiction of the sacrificial nature of Christ that really is the reason behind everything that we're doing. So Lord, would you just do in each and every one of our hearts what you're desiring to do so the y'all that you've called us to be will be strong how good and pleasant it is when we walk together in unity for there the Lord commands the blessing of life forevermore we join together Lord we say 
that it is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that is the demonstration of the love of God that you came to rescue all humanity and redeem us from our sins without you we're lost but you are the Savior you redeem our lives when we believe in our heart and we confess in our mouth that Jesus is Lord we will be saved can I get a witness an amen a confession of everyone's mouth who says Jesus is Lord If you're listening today and that's your decision in this moment, then please let us pray with you. Our prayer team's available if you're online. Just mark something in that field. Write something in the field, a comment field, so that we can pray with you. But I just say, let's take a few moments before the Lord and just invite Him to deepen the work that He's initiated within our hearts just as we worship. And this would be a great time again just to write someone's name and begin to pray over them in the few moments that we have.